0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good evening. It's a beautiful day today. I'm loving this cool weather. How about you? Yeah. Oh, howdy. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Let's go to, we're in the book of John, in the great book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospel of John. Let me say something right quick as you're turning there that I am really, really, really blessed today and reminded again about how great our nation is. Not because of who got elected, but because of who had the power to elect. Reminded that your vote truly matters. The people decide who is going to be the president. The people decide. They are the ones who serve you. As Abraham Lincoln said, it is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And, and you can complain and you can talk about it all you want, but the only way that you can actually make a difference is to actually vote. It actually works. That's the only thing that will change it, is voting. Isn't that, isn't that glorious? Sometimes we miss the little practical thing. Your vote is... is, is the Trump card? I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> but no matter what all is said at the end of the day, what is said at the end of the day, you're the one that makes the final decision. And I love that about this country. I don't always love of the result of it, but I love that about our country. That's what makes the United States a great nation. And I'm, I'm, I'm just blessed today to be a part of this great country. Amen. Father, bless our country. God bless America. Continue, God, to bless this great nation. As we're making a shift to a a new government, a new way of doing business, we just pray, God, as Heather said earlier, that we would pray for wisdom, so we pray for wisdom, the wisdom from heaven, Lord, that they would heed your voice. They would be guided by your spirit. And Father God, that there would be an awakening as, as we've seen, Lord, Pray. as we've seen, there, there is an awakening in this country like Pray. we've never seen Pray. before, God. This was a, a historic night that spoke of what Pray. was in the heart of people, Pray. what is really Pray. speaking to the American people. But Father, I'm asking you, as, as, as people are open in this time to Pray. a new thing, to a new beginning, to a new start, Father God, that the gospel, Lord, would take effect Pray. here in this nation that you would use us, Lord, to be a voice of influence, God, so that it was the preaching of the gospel that sparked the desire for freedom in this country in the first place. It was that which sparked the revolution. So, God, I pray this is a great moment for the church of the living God to be used mightily for your glory. And, Father God, we thank you for this moment, for this opportunity. I'm asking you, Father, that the people would come together as one, that we would truly be united, in these United States, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. John chapter 1. Let me just give you a little background on John as I try to do a little bit on each author of, the, of, of these books so you can know them a little bit. John um, was, was written later than the other Gospels, right, later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And as I said before, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels. And they believe that Mark was basically the outline that was used for Matthew and Luke to write from. And all of them are, uh, especially Luke, are very chronological in their order, very detailed. But John is, he kind of broke the mold uh, when, when his account, he's actually the only one, only one of the authors of the four, the four authors that claim to be an eyewitness of Jesus, to give an eyewitness account. Um, now we know Matthew did too, and Matthew was one of his disciples. But John was the only one that claimed that what he was writing was eyewitness account. Um, yeah, they, they believe that it was that the book of John was written somewhere between ninety and one hundred A.D. He lived to be a very old man, um, the the longest living apostle. Um, and he, uh, it, it's one of the five books he wrote. He's the he wrote the second most New Testament books, John. First, second and third John and Revelation. His gospel doesn't follow that chronological order. He's more topical. John, I like I like reading John because it he he'll he does more he he explains what Jesus' actions are about rather than emphasizing Jesus' actions. He takes a little moments to preach to you now and then. Uh, Like in John chapter seven, he said when Jesus said, "Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water." John said, "This he spoke of the Spirit, which is not yet come, had not fallen on those who have believed, but 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 would soon come," and and he would just take moments like that to just preach at you a little bit. He's different, and and these though though many of the gospels have a, a specific audience in mind, as we've covered Matthew certainly to Israel, and is there to prove Jesus as the King, the Messiah. And, and, and would do that through building his case with lots of Old Testament references, over 41 Old Testament references in the book of Matthew. And Then Mark is just the guy that just went to Jesus' actions. I mean, he's more, more of Jesus' healings and miracles than, than his parables. I think it's like 16 to 6 or something like that, or something like 19 or 16 uh, actions, and then like 6 or 9 teachings. So Mark's just about what Jesus did. That, Mark presents to us Jesus' as the servant, the suffering servant, when he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And then Luke, the physician, shows us the humanity of Christ when he gives the genealogy of Jesus through Mary and teaches us, shows us, reveals him as the son of man. The son of man. And then... And he was, he was more to a Greek audience. He's the only Gentile to write a book in, this, in the Bible. And then John comes along and his book is to everybody. It's, it's to everyone. And because John's main theme in all of his writings is, the, is love. But he is, John's special to Jesus. So he's, he, he understands the Lord. He's the one who leaned on his breast, you know, and was very close to Jesus, very intimate. And so he wants you to understand the meaning behind the actions even more so than the actions themselves. And so he, he takes the time to teach us. And, and he's, he's the only disciple that was left at that cross. Remember when Jesus said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter? Well, they all did, except for John. John John stayed. John was there at the foot of the cross. As a matter of fact, Jesus addressed him from the cross and said, Behold your mother and woman, behold your son. And that day, in that moment, in his dying breath, he handed over the care of his mother to John. It was John who recorded the great words, It is finished. John knew him intimately. He was there. He saw it. He heard what Jesus said watched him with his own eyes. Later on in in his other epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, John—and 1st John he talks about that which we've handled with our hands. We've seen, we've heard concerning the word of life. But this gospel, John is here to reveal to us Jesus, the Son of God. As we open up in John chapter 1, Something interesting as I was studying on John, that John is the only one who refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. The phrase, Lamb of God, is seen twice in the New Testament, and both of them are in John chapter 1. And and it was actually John the Baptist who said it. John the disciple was writing what John the Baptist said. They believed that John, uh, the son of Zebedee, James and John, uh, the two brothers, Um, that they were both disciples of John the Baptist at one point and then later went to follow Jesus. Um, So he heard John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that statement alone, that statement alone virtually canceled out Jewish sacrificial worship. One statement. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world because if the sin of the world is taken away, there's no more need for sacrifice. Sacrifice. And it's, it's pretty incredible that they didn't stone him to death for saying that. They were all kind of afraid of him, and the guy wore camel hair for clothes and ate locusts and honey for meals, and he dwelt, and he dwelt in the wilderness. So uh, this is not a guy that you wanted to wrestle with or debate. He knew who he was. I'm the one, but I'm here to prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. So John saw that, and he, he wrote that down. That's interesting, the Lamb of God. But John reveals to us, really, his main thing that he wants to reveal to us about Jesus is that he is the Son of God, and it opens up this beautiful, beautiful phrase, this beautiful verse, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As I started in this, I thought, Lord, how can I put John in one night? But I'm going to do it. Because we were on a mission. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now he's getting a little bit more descriptive about, now we understand, as the Word was God, and the Word was a He. All things were made through Him. Oh, okay, so then this he is He is God because God was the one who created the heavens and the earth. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Oh, okay. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Now, listen to what John says. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. He made the world, and now he's in the world, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children or sons of God. The word word here for right, some some translations have it as power. And we know one one of the Greek words for power is what? Anybody know? Dunamis. But that word is not there to describe this power. It's exousia, which is authority or right. Which helps us understand that you can't power yourself into becoming a child of God. You can't by your own strength, but by His authority. I give you the right. The rights that we have are granted by God. The rights that we have to be children of God are granted by God God himself. To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of of grace and truth. Now we understand that John is describing Jesus, the Son of God. The only begotten, not only is Jesus revealed as the Son of God, but look at this. We who believe in his name, according to the scripture, are born of God and also given the right to be sons of God. So we understand Jesus' mission, the reason he was revealed as the Son of God so that we could also see that He's revealed to us that we can also become sons of God. Because what Jesus did, everything he did, he did for us. He became the son of God so that we could too. He, 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 was, he died at that cross so that we would die with him. He rose from the dead so that we would all rise. See, if Christ is risen, your resurrection is absolutely assured. Because he wouldn't have risen if you're not going to rise. But because he rose, you absolutely are going to rise. Everything he did, he did for us. Showing us this is going to be your experience. Glory to God. He ascended into heaven. You're going to ascend into heaven too. Praise God. Praise God. Look at John chapter 20 for a moment. Let's bring that up on the screen. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. And you can sum it up right here. But these are written... That you may believe, John's saying, this is why we're writing this, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So in the very beginning, he presents Jesus the Son of God, and at the very end of this this book, well, there's one more chapter after this, but he's saying, I'm writing this to reveal Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if you'll believe on him, hallelujah, you'll have life. So Jesus comes to us. The Word became flesh. Jesus is God to us in the reality of living and not in abstract philosophy. The Word became flesh. Yeah. Powerful. I us think about all the great verses in, in John. John 3.16. Anybody know that one? Read that one? How about John 3 17? For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How about John 11:35, 35? Jesus wept. That's an easy one to memorize. John 14 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 15. You abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. John 16, verse 33. I think that's what my daughter's tattoo says. John, John 16, 33. Is that right? How, what, how's it going, Maddie? What, say it. Now, come on now. You need to speak up. Your last name is Holler. In this world, you will have, you have trouble, you'll have tribulation, but be of good courage or take heart, for I have overcome the world. Amen. John seven thirty nine. out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So many great verses, so many great verses in the book. That's why I'm saying, as I was just, I started getting overwhelmed, like, oh, how am I going to get all this? I'm not going to get all of it to you, but I want to give you a good snapshot. Now, listen to this. I think this is cool that the deity of Christ can also be seen in some of the statements that Jesus made, the I am statements. There happen to be seven plus one, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Jesus said in John chapter eight and nine, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. In John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 15, I am the vine. Isn't that awesome? But the big one to me is in John chapter 8 when he's having this standoff with the Pharisees and they're questioning him and his authority and, and he's describing to them if if Abraham were your father you would love me you would have received me because he looked forward to my day and they said and 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 he, they they said you're not even 50 years old you now you claim to know Abraham and this is what he said in John 8:58 Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was I am And then they picked up stones to kill him. Because what he just told them was, I am God. Because they knew him as I am. That's what Moses had introduced God to them as. He said, Who did I tell them sent me? Because I mean, how are they going to believe me, God? I don't know. He said, You're going to go deliver my. And he said, You tell them, I am that I am, has sent you. I love that. I love that limitless name, don't you? I am. What do you need? I am. I am that. I am, I am, I am. I want to, um, since we've, we've talked about the, the person of Jesus here and, and, and who John has revealed him as and how Jesus has even revealed himself to us in these, in these great few chapters, um, the miracles of Jesus that are described here in John are pretty interesting, that John shares only two miracles with the other gospel witnesses. The other gospel writers. Two, two, two miracles. One of them is, is in all four gospels. Can anybody tell me what, what one miracle is in all four gospels? Were you here last Wednesday when Phil was here? The feeding of the 5,000. That's right. Feeding of the 5,000. It's in all four, all four gospels. Another one that John shares with Matthew and Mark, not with Luke, but Matthew and Mark, is Jesus walking on the water. But then there are miracles that are exclusive to the Gospel of John that are not recorded anywhere else. And I find this fascinating. The first miracle Jesus did is only found in John when he turned water into wine at the marriage. And the last miracle Jesus did is only recorded in John where they threw the net in for a catch. And the Scripture says that he caught 153 large fish. This was after Jesus was risen from the dead. Only John records those those miracles. Uh, John only records four healing miracles. Now, you read Matthew and Luke, they are full of his healing ministry. John only records four. Actually, Actually, no, he records three. He records three healing and one resurrection. That guy didn't need healing, he needed life. And this guy was dead, four days dead. I think... I was was talking to my my dad the other day about this. I thought, how come John is the only one that mentions Lazarus? Isn't that one of the greatest miracles, Jesus? The guy was dead four days, and John's the only one that has anything to say about it. It's interesting. But John's the only one that records that that great miracle. But the the three healing miracles that he reveals to us are when Jesus healed uh, the nobleman's son. And you can write this down. John chapter 4, just if you're writing, if you're taking notes, Jesus healed the nobleman's son. Uh, Jesus had come to Galilee, and this was Jesus' second miracle. John says this was the second sign he did. The first one was turning water into wine. The second one was when he healed the nobleman's son. The man comes down from Capernaum to come to Galilee to, to find Jesus and says, My son is, is dying. And, and then uh, he said, Please come. Please come before my son dies. And Jesus said, Your son lives. And so the man, it says, John said that the man believed what Jesus said, and he went back home. And when he got there, his servants met him on the way, actually, and they said, your son lives. And he asked them, he said, when? When did that happen? And they said, yesterday, at about the seventh hour, his fever broke. And then he remembered that was just about the time when Jesus said, your son lives. That's That's a neat story. John chapter five, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda when he said, do you want to be healed? And the man said, I, 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 I can't get into the pool in time. I've had this infirmity and I'm too weak to get there. And as soon as I try to head toward the pool, somebody else jumps in after the angel stirs it and they always get the healing. And here I've been stuck. The man had this lame, this lameness, this weakness in his body for 38 years. And then Jesus looked at him and said, take your bed and walk. And the man did and was healed. And then in John chapter 9 is when Jesus healed the man who had been blind from birth. Remember the disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his mother, that he was born blind? Well, how could that man sin before he's born? And Jesus said, neither. But that the Father may be glorified. And then he reached out and healed the man. I was blind. When does God get the glory in this? In this? Was Jesus saying God got the glory and, and made him blind, or did Jesus say, but that God may be glorified and healed him? See, God gets the glory in the healing. That, that scripture has been so misinterpreted. Like it was some divine plan, God's order that made this man blind. No, when God got the glory and the man saw, and interestingly enough, it, that, that miracle caused a lot of controversy because he's going around testifying that he could see. And so the Pharisee says, uh, who did this to you? And he said, I don't know. I, I don't know. And they said, well, this, 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 this didn't really happen. This, wasn't a, this, this man is a sinner. He said, he's a sinner? So you're telling me that a, a God would hear a sinner's prayer? And a sinner has the power to heal people? And they said, who was he? He said, I don't know. Oh no, they said he's a sinner. He said, Well, whether he's a sinner, I don't or not, I don't know. But all I know is I was blind, but now I see. So <laughs> yeah. beautiful. John's the only one that records. By the way, the, all those miracles are the only ones recorded in John. All of them. I like John 18, 37. Pilate. Therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And that verse is the reason why we are called One Cause Church. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I came into the world. But I want to leave you with this thought tonight, something to bring home. All the things that John highlights, the love of God, the, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, the Word become flesh, God amongst us, that even, even the emphasis of the Spirit that is in, in the book of John. We talked about the one who would come, he would send the Spirit of truth and he would guide you into all truth. And later on, John would talk about the, the anointing that would teach you all things and just so So emphasizes the spirit and his work in the earth. and I mean, the woman at the well, what a great story. What a great story of restoration of a God whose grace abounds more than sin. That Jesus took time to sit down with this woman, though she had wrecked many relationships. Took time to show her that he's the man that she's been looking for all this time. Marvelous, marvelous truths. It's John chapter 12 that said, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. For we understand that Jesus was a seed sowed by God. So God could get a whole lot of Jesus's. So that when he would die his, breathe his last breath on that cross as the only begotten son of God, he would come out of that grave as the firstborn among many brethren. John 1.16, I found, I found something in this book that, I mean, I, I knew these verses and stuff, but I, I didn't really see a, a theme that was gathered until I just began to look through this. And of his fullness, everybody say fullness. fullness. We have all received and grace for grace. I want to take just one moment. I didn't tell you to do this, Lisa, so don't worry about it. I want to just look, show you that verse in the Amplified. Fun to look at the Amplified once in a while. John 1.16, the Amplified. For out of His fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Isn't that beautiful? His fullness of his fullness or his abundance we have received there is a great 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 emphasis on abundance in this in this entire book as john made sure by the holy spirit to show us the very first miracle that jesus performed was one of abundance and he would end his ministry of miracles with another miracle of abundance the first mentioned miracle and the last mentioned miracle and he is he does just happen to mentioned that other miracle of abundance by feeding the 5,000. Sandwiched right in between all of that to keep us looking at this God who is more than enough. Of his fullness, we have received. But it's really all summed up in one verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they, say that, say I'm they, <laughs> that's me, that I may have life, let's say that I may have life, may have life. and that I may have, I may have more abundantly. More. Now, I'm, I'm, I didn't say it on purpose because it's italicized. It was added by the translators. So let's just read it as it's really said. Because, you know, when you think about it, Jesus said, I came to give life and abundant life too. That doesn't really make sense. I mean, isn't the life he gives already abundant? I came that you may have life and have more abundantly. Because he's really showing that this is the antithesis to what the thief does. I came to give life. What does the thief come to do? To destroy life, to kill life, and to do what? Steal your stuff. But Jesus said, I came that you may have more abundantly. Wow. And he proved that through his miracles, didn't he? He didn't give everyone just enough of those 5,000 people to sustain them for their trip home says he gave them as much as they wanted. I think he gave them as much wine as they wanted too. 120 gallons at least. And I think he supplied quite a few fish too. One catch garnered 153. Make sure to tell us it was 153 large fish. Filled it up with big fish. So that we would keep this mind of our God of abundance. We would understand that this is what he wants us to have. This is how he wants to present himself to us. The issue was not wine or fish. Those were needs. He was really there to show us this is how I meet needs. Whatever your need is, this is how I will meet that in abundance. I came for this purpose to give life. And have more abundantly. If you don't like that prosperity talk, then you probably need to quit reading the Bible. (laughs) You're not going to like Jesus very much. Amen. Have more abundantly. So just take this into your life this week. I want you to read John chapter 10, verse 10. And I want you to... Make it personal. Jesus came to give me life, and he came that I may have more abundantly. So, Jesus, that's what I want. That's what you want to give me. I want what you want me to have. Hmm? I want what Jesus wants me to have. Say that. I want what Jesus wants me to have. See, you like abundance in, in some other ways. When it comes to things, when it comes to material things, we get weird about stuff like not us, not you, you guys are more mature than that, but other people, other churches, but we lack like abundance of grace though don't we? We like abundance of grace, don't we? We like the fact that where sin abounded, grace did what? Whew, thank you, Lord. We appreciate that abundance. we appreciate the abundance that the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. I would say that is an right. abundant right. pardon. Yeah. That is an abundant pardon. Right. We like that. Yeah. Why can't we just receive everything about His abundance? Right. Why not receive everything? Is heaven is heaven full of abundance? Apparently, God likes gold. He likes sapphires and rubies. He likes pearls. He likes all that stuff. And heaven is made of it. I mean, the streets are paved with gold. They use gold as pavement. Why all that opulence? Why? Because that's what he likes, apparently. And then he gave us just some portions of that in the earth to discover. Why did he give us that? Why did he put gold on the earth? Let's think about it for a moment. Why did he why did he why are diamonds here? Why are these precious jewels here? Why is silver here? Why is it here? So that we could have abundance. And who better to have it than his own children? Do you not all have the desire for your children to have a better life than you? To have more than you? I told, Matt, I told my kids since they were a little bitty, I want you to have more than I, I've had and to have a better life than I had. I have a good life, but I still think there's something better for you. And then one day I realized as Maddie's driving a car, that a nicer car than I've ever driven in my life, When she turned 16, her uncle Philip blessed her, and then he bought her this high-powered Apple computer, and I'm like, wow, you have a better computer. I've never had a computer that nice. I've never had a car that nice, and then she reminded me, Dad, you said that you always wanted me to have better. I said, yeah, I just didn't expect to be jealous about it. Yeah, your Father wants, Jesus wants you to have life and have abundance in that life. More abundantly. Get used to it. Believe for it. Expect it. Look for it. And receive it. And receive it. Hallelujah. Our God is so good. Yes, He is. I want to read. Just, this scripture just came to mind. One last scripture here, and then we'll close up shop for the night. And it's found in John 16. Verse 25. No, not verse 25. Sorry. I thought it was. Give me one second. Can I get the Jeopardy song going? (laughs) Okay, here it is. Uh, Verse 23, sorry. John 16... 23, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. And he's talking to his disciples about, he says earlier in this chapter, he says, to your advantage that I go away. because If I don't go, the spirit won't come, but if I go, I'll send him to you. And then verse 23 says, and in that day, what day is that when I'm gone? You will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the father, what did Jesus come to do? He came to connect us to the father, to bring us to the father. John references the Father over a hundred times in this book. Jesus saying the Father over a hundred times in this great book. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask, and you will receive, I love this, that your joy may be full. You will receive that your joy may be full. How many of you have enjoyed an answered prayer? Hmm? You've enjoyed an answered prayer when it came to pass and you realized in that moment, God is truly interested in my life. And not just interested, he's involved. And he will involve himself to those who will ask in the name of Jesus. So come to your father and he said, whatever you ask the father in my name, I will give it. Whatever, whatever you ask the father Whatever, whatever you ask the Father, in my name I will give it. I said, can I do one more verse? It's 804. Look at this. John 7, the last verse in John chapter 7. And this is a prophecy, actually, about tonight. It's actually a prophecy about every time we come to church. It happens at every service. And it's John chapter 7, verse 53. Can we stand and read? And everyone went to his own house. <laughs> so, okay. Did I say stand? Let's stand, yes. Stand. Let's stand. So I have a prediction every week that John 7:53 will come to pass every time you come to church, <laughs> or every time you go anywhere. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord for a moment. Father, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We thank you for Jesus who brought us to you. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. Thank you that Jesus has brought us to our Father. And now, Father, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We have received the spirit of, not of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your provision in our life. Thank you that in the name of Jesus we can come to you, our Father, who it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So we come to you tonight and we thank you for every good thing in our life comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from you. For that, we worship you and thank you. Thank you tonight that we're not in a hospital. Thank you tonight that we're not in jail. Thank you tonight, God, that we're here in the presence of God, that we're not in a country where we can't do this. Lord, that we have the liberty and the freedom to do it here in this moment. So, Lord, we don't want to take this lightly, but we want to pretend like this is is just some average thing we're living. No, this is a great experience. This is a great moment where we can lift up our voice and thank our God. Come on, help me, folks. Come on, help me, family, tonight. Lift up the voice and thank Him. Bless Him tonight. Worship Him. Thank Him. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah. We take this moment, we fill up this space with praise. We fill up this this moment with glorying in your name, in Jesus' name, to worship you. We use this voice that you have given us, this breath in our lungs, to express our gratitude and our thankfulness to our God who has redeemed us, who has called us, who has chosen us, who has forgiven us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. We bless you. Thank you. Your name is above every name. Your power is above all powers. And we take this moment to exalt you. Lord, we've talked about the election so much. We've talked about this and that. But Lord, we're here to say Jesus tonight. We're here to bring glory to you, to talk about you, to get you in our mouths, to get you in our tongues, Lord. And, and, and Lord, to remember, to remember, to remember who we are, to remember what we're created to do. We're created to praise. We're created to worship you, to open our mouths and to bless your name. So we bless you, God. We bless you. We bless you. Lord, we don't want to waste more words on other stuff than giving you glory. Help us, God, to keep your praise on our lips. Hallelujah. As as Paul said, to, to sing with grace in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. So we praise you. We bless you 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 Lord. bless you Lord. Thank you Lord. us us this this song together. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. 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 you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message for more information about One Cause Church please visit us online at onecausechurch.com